Dr. Nancy O'Reilly's groundbreaking book, In This Together, landed on bookstore shelves with a powerful message. When we work together, we can do absolutely anything. Guidance from 40 women leaders with specific strategies to help women advance their careers makes In This Together even more relevant today, especially with the pandemic's impact on women in the workforce. Take your career to the next level with Dr. Nancy O'Reilly's In This Together, now available on audiobook. Download your copy today. Because all of my business advisors and older folks around me were like, oh, you want to help people? We'll start a nonprofit. Exactly. Uh, nonprofits help people. And um, and I was like, but I want to like sell stuff and employ women. And it's all about job creation for women. And they were like, that's okay. That's the Girl Scout sell stuff. And they, <laughs> so I was like, okay, sure. And so started a nonprofit. And it wasn't until uh, 2015 that uh, Sudara Inc. sort of spun out as a for-profit certified benefit corporation here in the state of Oregon. That's Shannon Keith the founder and CEO of Sudara. Where we add value to the value chain, as you said, is in providing women with options. Real problems. I always want to be wanting to be part of the solution, right? Ending sex trafficking through job options for women. Career journeys. I um, was in my 20s, out of college, but there really weren't paradigms for what uh, is social business on a large scale and people weren't necessarily calling themselves social entrepreneurs. And leadership lessons. I mean, anything worth doing is hard work. You're listening to The Real Leaders Podcast to find out what motivates people beyond their chosen careers. Hello, my friends in Mountain View, California, and hola, mis amigos, and Barcelona, España. I hope I pronounced that correct. This is your host, Kevin Edwards, with episode 26 of The Real Leaders Podcast with Shannon O'Keefe, the founder and CEO of Sudara. On today's episode, Shan speaks about her passion for social entrepreneurship, which she didn't really intend to become one. She had no idea what social entrepreneurship was when she started. In fact, as you heard earlier in the episode, the Girl Scouts sell cookies too. Well, we're not selling cookies. We're selling pajamas, baby. And we're giving women options who otherwise would have to sell their bodies for survival. I guess Shan's a true Girl Scout at heart. All jokes aside, I think one of the biggest takeaways I got from my conversation with Shannon was how complacent I am. Like, honestly, how much I live in my own bubble. I mean, I even told Shannon after the show, I said, Shannon, I need to go abroad like you did. You know, I need to go see this stuff. I need to be in the trenches because... What was a stat I read the other day? It was like a by 2050, I mean, right now there's a million. I think by 2050, there's supposed to be 140 million refugees. People fleeing from their lands because of global warming. Um, it, it's insurmountable. And it's all stuff that, you know, I'm sitting in my room with AC on. Uh, and I don't think twice about it. And I'm, that's just normal, I guess. And I'm in this stuff every single day. What is it going to take for people to lean into things like this and and play and not play, but pay closer attention to this problem? Anyhow, I don't want to get too far down the rabbit hole. I will digress and just say this interview was very impactful for me, not only as someone who's starting out in the workforce, but 
anyone who's interested in either running or taking over or learning about a social enterprise and how they're able to add additional societal value to the value chain and make a profit while doing it. So I hope you all enjoyed this as much as I enjoyed this conversation. Um, so without further ado, ladies and gentlemen, please welcome the real Shannon Keith. And we will be live in three, two, one. Hello, Facebook friends. Welcome to episode 26. It's a special episode 26 with my friend Shannon Keith, the founder and CEO of Sudara. Uh, Shannon Keith is a, th- or, let's see, hold on a sec. What is Sudara? Shannon, what is Sudara? <laughs> a thriving B Corp and apparel brand. Sudara's mission is rooted in job creation for women in India who are a high risk or survivors of sex trafficking. More than a give back model, Sudara enables women to have freedom filled choices for themselves and for their families. Shannon is a 2016 Bend Venture Conference Social Impact winner, TEDx speaker, and was selected as a top 25 CEO World Venture finalist. Shannon was the recipient of the 2017 Bend Chamber of Commerce Female Entrepreneur of the Year Award and has been featured in the Good Trade, Real Simple, and now is in the Real Leaders 100 magazine. Shannon from Bend, Oregon, <laughs> how are you doing wow. on this fine Saturday? Well, gosh, that person sounds pretty cool. I don't know if I can live up to all that, but I am doing great and really honored to be here. Thanks so much, Kevin, for having me. And thanks to anyone out there who's listening and interested in social business. So happy to be here. Definitely. Well, you know, Shannon, I interview a lot of social entrepreneurs, a lot of people that um, experience a problem or go travel somewhere and see some type of social injustice. And sometimes this sparks them some creativity, some passion, some aspirations for their business. Did you have a similar revelation? I did. It was um, a while ago. And so I feel like I'm on a, was sort of on the front side of the curve. You know, now I'm so happy to see that social entrepreneurship is really evolving and maturing. I mean, I still think there's a lot of potential out there, but now even business schools and even some undergrad have programs that are actually called social entrepreneurship or social business or, you know, all of that. That definitely wasn't the case in 2005 when I went to India and was exposed with this issue. I um, was in my twenties out of college, but there really weren't paradigms for what uh, is social business on a large scale and people weren't necessarily calling themselves social entrepreneurs, even if they had a business where they were doing good, a lot of just the space wasn't, um, you know, as evolved and mature as it is now. So I did have an aha moment, but at the time I wouldn't have identified myself as a social entrepreneur. Mm. It really was all about seeing a problem that broke my heart and feeling like I had to do something about it. And because I'm just wired in a really simple kind of pragmatic way, I was in the business world like a business solution sort of made sense to me. Um, but again, because I wanted to help people at the time, I actually started a nonprofit because all of my business advisors and older folks around me were like, Oh, you want to help people? We'll start a nonprofit. Exactly. That nonprofits right. help people. And, um, and I was like, but I want to like 
sell stuff and employ women. And it's all about job creation for women. And they were like, that's okay. That's the Girl Scout sell stuff. And they, (laughs) so I was like, okay, sure. And so started a nonprofit and it wasn't until, uh, 2015 that uh, Sudara Inc. sort of spun out as a for-profit certified benefit corporation here in the state of Oregon. I'm still working on the same problem and hand in hand with our nonprofit, but just, that's just a little bit, um, of a way that you can see, you know, the evolution of the space over the last 13 years. It's vastly different the options for social entrepreneurs today than we're out there, you know, over a decade ago. So it's really fun to see um, so many more people getting into the game. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, just coming fresh out of college, they, they, you're right. They still don't teach social entrepreneurship. And there's a lot of, um, uh, there's no really clarity on what a social entrepreneur is. You know, like you said, there's, there's these nonprofits and there are these for profits and then there's social entrepreneurs that kind of fit along the middle. Um, you know, I think every single entrepreneur is a social entrepreneur, right? Because like you said, they, you found a problem, uh, and you, well, you discovered a problem and found a solution for it. So that's finding a, a, a solution for a societal need like these these women in India, like you're saying. Um, but social entrepreneurs provide additional value in the value chain. Where do you, where does Sudara provide that additional value in the value chain? Yeah, it's a great question. And you're right. I think there still isn't consensus on the terminology. Right. So there's a lot of confusion still in the space. And um, as the space continues to mature and evolve, I think we'll bring a little bit more clarity, but it is a spectrum, I think, as you said. And um, all the players play an equally important role, but I think that it is important when we have definitions of words that we can stack hands on, because when everyone says they're a social entrepreneur, mm. it really doesn't differentiate from any other sort of entrepreneur. And it's not that social entrepreneurs are better, but inherently there is a different motivation. It is just sort of, um, you know, do good business and provide jobs. You're really trying to solve a social issue or injustice through the business. Mm. So I think that's what differentiates um, social entrepreneurs from just really good and ethical business entrepreneurs. Um, So to your point, I really was wanting to help And again, not having any sort of delusions of grandeur that I alone or Sudar alone can solve this problem, but I was wanting to be part of the solution, right? Ending sex trafficking through job options for women. So if women are going to support themselves and their children and they lack other opportunities, so they don't have familial safety nets, maybe they don't live in a culture that um, supports, you know, governmental child welfare programs or whatever. So if their only option is to sell their bodies, you know, what option is that? So providing other options for women, again, never forcing anyone to do anything, but providing options. Nine times out of 10, women will take those options, a more dignified, safe environment for themselves and their children to have a better life. And then they're, uh, you know, contributing back to society. They're paying for their own kids and they're able to have hopes and dreams. Their kids are able to go on to university and do really important things that the rest of us with those privileged opportunities are able to enjoy a life of our own choosing. Um, so that's where we try and fall is really where we add value to the value chain, as you said, is in providing women with options all about job creation 
which inherently, you know, entrepreneurs do that too, just create jobs, but specifically for this group of women who lack opportunities. So without right. uh, intervention, they wouldn't have this opportunity. Otherwise, they can't just go to the job market and find another job. So this employment you're creating for all these women that were before you came in selling their bodies, like you said, you know, describe to our audience what that process looks like. What does your production plant look like? That's it's a great question. And I would be remiss if I didn't mention our partners because mm. it really is in partnership with our strategic partners in India. So Sudara works primarily in India. We do uh, have a partner that we, a couple of partners that we've used in Nepal uh, because a lot of women get trafficked from Nepal into India because Nepal is a very poor country as well. But India is really where Sudara focuses. And we um, work in partnership with mission and value aligned organizations in India. So Sudara doesn't go over and just set up shop and work directly with the women. We've really, um, because we feel like the world's problems are so complex, they really are going to be solved in collaboration. So it's governments, it's NGOs, it's businesses, it's citizens, it's consumers all working together Mm. um, to solve these really complex problems. So that's um, our core value and belief. And so how that's lived out is in partnership um, with organizations in India. And so we, you know, do a heavy vetting process. Mm-hmm. So we have partners that we really trust and rely on and, and we, we're over there, you know, we um, are in relationship, we're in ongoing conversations. And so we have chosen partners that care about these women as much as we do, if not more, because it's in their own culture, their own country. And, um, and, it's kind of a multi-pronged approach, right? So yes, there's job creation and training, but we're not trying to create an army of seamstresses, right? Even though Sudara is an online women's apparel company, we sell pajamas and loungewear for the whole family. That's great. And where, uh, and sewing is a viable vocation, a trade you can learn with your hands for women in India and their textiles are gorgeous. So that, they have the raw materials there. That's great. But not every woman out of the brothel is going to choose to be a seamstress. I, for one, may not choose that as my first top option. And again, you need to have some options because if you only have one option, it's really not an option. Right. <laughs> um, so, so we uh, work with partners who, A, yes, sewing and seamstress work, tailoring work is one option, but there's maybe a handful of other options. There could be, you know, uh, childcare, there could be housekeeping, there could be data entry, depending on the education level of the woman. Many are illiterate. And so vocational options with their hands, there could be baking, there could be henna art, artistry, you know, there's a a litany of, of things that they can choose. And so we partner with organizations who believe that, who buy into that, and that's their model. And so the women coming out of the brothels um, or those at highest risk of entering the brothels get not only training, but job placement. Because what good is it if you're trained but unemployed? It still leads you susceptible to be vulnerable, to be trafficked into the brothels. Right, right, right. So it's all about working with partners who, um, who understand that, who, who train the women and then also help them get placed in safe um, and sustainable jobs, which is really exciting. So the, the ripple effect that Sudara has with his partners goes far beyond just the clothes that we sew and sell. Um, those, the profits from the garments that consumers buy, maybe like some listening here today, um, 
go to subsidize job training and placement for lots of other women. So just for instance, one of our partners in India um, trains over 1,200 women a year in various jobs and has an 89% job placement um, record, which is incredible. So, you know, I cannot employ at this time with our uh, production size 1,200 seamstresses by any stretch of the imagination. That would be so many pajamas. Mm. Um, maybe one day that would be awesome. But uh, 1,200 women through our partners can get job training and placement in a, in a, a vocation of a freedom-filled life. So it's super exciting, um, this partnership piece. That's fascinating. Fascinating. You 1,200 seamstresses and all these partners. And it, from what I can hear, it's just way bigger than a business. You know, you're, you're really changing lives. You know, what's the biggest surprise story that or example that comes to your mind um, when you think about when you started to where you are now? Gosh, there's been so many because, um, you know, it's been like I said, 2000, it's been almost like 13 years of doing this. And there had, you know, it hasn't all been roses. I mean, anything worth doing is hard work. I think that's true. That's just a life truth, whether it's a relationship um, or a job or planting a garden, you know, it's, it's a lot of hard work if you're going to have a successful endeavor. And so I don't want to paint the picture um, that it hasn't been really tough. Um, so that sometimes is surprising for people, right? Because they think doing something really good for the world is a little bit like sexier than maybe it actually is. Mm. Like a lot of time it's just a grind. Right. <laughs> so that, that can be a surprise for someone. And I would want anyone particularly, um, aspiring social entrepreneurs or entrepreneurs of any time just to go into any endeavor with eyes wide open. That's not to discourage anyone. I would do it all over again any day of the week, but it is to say that I think people are surprised that all the doors just don't fly open oh, and yeah. it's not all green lights and people throwing money at your feet because you're trying to do something good for the world. You know, it's really, um, hard work, but it's all worth it when, when a story like this happens. And I'll tell you one that, that um, comes to mind. And again, most of these are relayed through our partners because we're in on those ongoing conversations because, you know, I wasn't there in India when this happens, but, um, one of our partners in Hyderabad, India, um, did job training and this woman, um, was placed in, in a job after she graduated from her program and there's on the skills training. And she came back again, completely unsolicited. No one is asked um, by any means to come back and, and give or donate any money back to the programs. Mm -hmm. But this woman completely donated a hundred percent of her first paycheck back to our partner because she knew that they were doing such good work. And she said, I'm so happy. I could never have imagined being in this place. And I want you to use these, this money to help more women out of the brothels. And so yeah. that is incredible. Wow. I mean, who here, you know, goes and donates their first paycheck back to whoever got them that job, whether it's a professor or a college, you know, or your mom and dad, most, you probably didn't donate your whole first paycheck. It's like someone that so knows good. that their business cares about them. I'll tell you that. Isn't that incredible? So awesome. that's one of my favorite stories because it comes full circle. It's like now that the women feel empowered, they too want to give back. And then the cycle of goodness can you know, continue. So wow. that was really one of my favorite um, examples of 
wow, all the hard work that we're putting in is actually making a difference and changing lives um, with our partners on in India. It's it's really humbling, actually. Hey, listeners, if you're a fan of the show, you've probably heard me reference impact investing often. It's one of the most effective ways to support clean energy and limit greenhouse gases to save our future. And I'm no expert in finance by any means on this subject, but I know who is. I'd like to introduce you to Arnerich Messina. Arnerich Messina is an independent investment advisory firm serving individuals and families, foundations and endowments, and corporate clients across the United States. With an emphasis on impact investing and specialization in private markets, the firm has become known for its forward-looking, world-class research and investment opportunities. You can visit them online at www.am-a.com to learn more about their investment approach and read the company's recent white paper, Impact Investing, Why, What, How. Again, folks, that's am-a.com. You can go on there and start investing in impact today. Shannon, it's, it's very inspiring, not just for me, but for others listening to this. And uh, like you mentioned earlier, I want to bring back that quote you said, anything worth, um, anything worth doing is hard work. So, uh, you, you know, what, what is your advice to social entrepreneurs who might be a little bit more focused on the two, on the, on the double bottom line with the people on the uh, planet, um, but are having a hard time making money. Uh, like, like when you were trying to get investing, you, you mentioned you have a ton of partners. Uh, what was like, like the first challenge that you had, um, in terms of getting funding and, and what did you do? Yeah. Uh, it, it is interesting because most people probably wouldn't, I mean, it's been an unconventional path. We've really bootstrapped mm. everything. So we haven't gotten any outside funding mm. other nice. than like a line of credit with the bank when we were fundable, you know, but right. most people can get that right out the gate because that takes time and you have to show the bank that you're profitable and that, you know, you're not such a high risk or whatever. And so initially it was just my own personal savings. And then because we started as a nonprofit, we were able to raise donor dollars, Mm. um, because really, you know, it it wasn't profitable the first, Mm. the first while. And so as a nonprofit, we were able to, um, utilize a lot of it was like my friends and family and people who believed in the cause and who'd been to India, um, with us, I believe a bit of seed money. So kind of that friends and family, um, where a lot of entrepreneurs, you know, sort of get their start and then just really bootstrapping it from there and trying to grow the programs out of the revenues um, Mm -hmm. from the sales of, we call them punjamis. It's kind of a play off of (laughs) from India. So pajamas, um, in there. So that's how we started. And actually that's how we continue to exist today. So we have been bootstrapped. We haven't taken any outside investment, not to say that we never will in the future, but, um, that's just been the path that we've chosen. Again, it's been really hard Mm -hmm. in some ways, but in other ways, it really ensures that our main stakeholders really are the women and children we're trying to serve in India. I have so many entrepreneurial friends that, once they take investment, it's like their main focus is making sure their investors are happy <laughs> oh, <I laughs> or bet. whatever. Yeah. There's so many other stakeholders when money gets involved that you sort of have to, um, 
you know, please. And so we've really, um, yeah, we've really been able to make sure we haven't had mission drift or creep, um, right. By having, you know, control of, of our monies. And Shannon, you were also saying, uh, people in India that have been to India, um, how important, especially cause you know, I'm thinking about, you know, going abroad, seeing the world. Cause I feel like a problem a lot of uh, Americans have, including myself, is I, I'm in a bubble. I don't really know what's going on out there. How important is world travel to you? It's very important to me. It's shaped my life completely and my worldview. I mean, I in college, you know, I was fortunate enough to go abroad for a year. So I was a year in Europe abroad and mm. I spent summer in Israel and kind of in the Middle East. And so uh, and then after, you know, just traveling on my own with friends kind of post-college um, and then as a young married, even before kids. And so it's been really important. What I will say, though, is there um, and, and I'm pleased to see sort of like the millennial outlook and how people are taking travel in a way that doesn't sort of what I would say, admire the problem, um, because that's not dignified to people either. So it's not like Americans, you know. Uh, other folks and cultures who are struggling are not sort of sideshows to be just viewed, you know, <laughs> from, so there's this fine line of going and seeing without, you know, that being sort of like a zoo, a zoo experiment where they're, you know, you're viewing it, um, not, not in terms of entertainment, but I think you understand what I'm trying to say. Um, I'm in a little bit lost for words because I don't want to be offensive to anyone. And I myself love traveling, but I think as long as people are mindful about respecting other people and other cultures and they aren't um, just because folks are struggling, it's like they need our help, not our pity um, and not to just be viewed for our own purposes of like taking some pictures, giving ourselves like, Oh, now I just feel so much more fortunate that I'm not, <laughs> right, right, yeah. you know, that doesn't really help the world. Yeah, <laughs> that just helps yeah. your, your uh, gratitude, which is important still. But yeah. So, uh, I just want to go back a, a bit. Um, sure. and, and you're talking about, you know, we're, we're making these pajamas and what was the term you used? Pajamas? They're called punjamis. Punjamis. On our website. Yeah. So that's the name of our signature pants. They're just like uh, lounge pants and pajamas. And mm. so we call them punjamis. <laughs> now, is there is there a risk you're taking with this? I mean, it, I mean you're, you're selling them for probably a premium price because they're, at least as far as I could tell, they look like a very good quality product. Yeah, um, thank is you. It hard yeah. To, is it hard to compete with the people who are selling them for, you know, 10, 12 bucks at Target? Yeah. Absolutely. For sure. It is. I mean, I think to your point, our products are superior in terms of, um, you know, they're handmade. Mm -hmm. Uh, and so the craftsmanship I think is apparent and the products that we use like are high quality, of course, but you know, you can't replicate a story. So we had an unfortunate event happen where there have been, you know, kind of rogue people who were like, wow, that's a bright idea. And they can't come up with one on their own. And so they just kind of rip yours off. And so we've had even rogue employees, you know, in the early days, kind of try and do a copycat thing. And Mm. It was really interesting um, that after they kind of left the company, this one woman, it was probably, I don't know, maybe a year later or so. And suddenly World Market was carrying a very similar line and the names of their products, exact same names as 
which was really curious because our products are named after women in our program. Suspicious. So for instance, one of our best selling names was like Leela. Oh, and then suddenly, coincidentally, their product pant name was Leela. It's like, yeah, that's not a coincidence. You know, there's probably something. Now I could spend my time chasing after and trying to figure out, but at the end of the day, like I think consumers can sniff out authenticity right? And what's real and what's a sideshow and what is, you know, and so yes, consumers are going to pay more for a pair of Sudara pajamas than they're going to pay for a knockoff at world market or a cheap pair of pants at target or Walmart or whatever. So those who don't care about the supply chain may do that. Um, but we try to do a lot of education because our margins are still really thin, right? even though we have to charge more, like nobody's getting rich off this endeavor, including myself, for sure. I was making a lot more money when someone else was paying my paycheck than as a social entrepreneur. Um, and so you really have to analyze when you're buying a product as a consumer, you know, what does the supply chain look like? And how is it that I'm only paying $12.99 for these pants at XYZ fill in the blank big box store, mm. right? Because if I can't even afford to make my own pants buying fabric at Joanne's Fabrics or whatever for this price, who's getting screwed in the deal? It's not the, the store I bought them at. They're making a profit. It's not me. So who's getting screwed in the deal, right? You have to go down the supply chain. We don't right. like to do that because it's inconvenient right. with everything that we consume, whether it's electronics, chocolate, coffee, you know, where places we know there's a lot of slave labor in the supply chain. You have to pay more for direct and, and fair trade products. Why? Because they're fair. Exactly. <laughs> and, and inherently we're saying it's not okay for those other people to get screwed. Right. Mm-hmm. And so that means that I have to pay a fair, a fair price for it. Exactly. Otherwise someone's getting screwed. Totally. And, and that's, and that's what you got to deal with. I mean, there's there are so many companies, like we said, that are selling the Target for ten bucks. Why? Because they're having cheap labor, and and it's yeah. it's very unethical. Um, so, where will Sadara be in five years? We see you being a force for good. You made the really one hundred list. Where are you going to be in five years? I hope that we are continuing to grow and help lead the movement, right? I hope that, and I, and I think that we're going to be having a deeper impact in India. I mean, we want to create more jobs in India. And a lot of people say, well, what about this country, that country? You know, right. India has 1.3 billion people in a world of 7 billion. I mean, they make up a huge, more than 20%, you know, a little less than of the world's population. So I feel like if we can make a dent in sex trafficking in India, we have made a dent in the world. I mean, their population is like multiple countries combined. Mm. So I think we'll be in India in an even deeper way. I think it's really exciting um, how India's markets are evolving. I mean, they're a pretty young country. They were colonized far longer than we were. Um, so they're kind of our cousin in that way that, you know, the U S and India were both British colonies. We got under the Brits much sooner than they did, but, um, they are really expanding. And I think that there's a market, 
um, there as well to be tapped into. And so I'm just really excited that what the future holds. And I think in the next five years, we'll continue to, you know, make an impact in India specifically. You know, Shan, the main theme of Release 100 is being a hashtag force for good. What does a hashtag, what does a force for good mean to you? Being a force for good mean to you? I, I haven't thought about that, but I love that question. I think, you know, a force for good is being exactly who you are, nothing more and nothing less, mm. right? And doing it in a way that that serves others, which ultimately makes us feel really good about ourselves. I think the the lie in the world is that we have to put ourselves first. It's like this me first. It's kind of a very American, um, independent, like I have to take care of me and mine. And if everyone does that, then, you know, they'll be fine. And really, if you turn that on its head, for me, a force for good is not losing out for numero, looking out for others. And the beautiful thing is when that happens, your needs will be met and taken care of, right? You don't have to build your own kingdom and maximize and make sure your 401k and your accounts and your houses and your more, 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 you know, it's like, when is it just enough to be content and then using the force of your good to help the world and help others? Um, so for me, it's really being others focused and, and your needs will be met uh, in spades, you know, along the way. Absolutely. Well, Shannon, we appreciate your time here on the show. And, and folks, um, where are we going to be uh, you know, seeing these Sidara products? You know, where, where can the folks find these online? Where am I going? Yes. Thank you, Kevin. You're going to Sudara, S-U-D-A-R-A dot org. So Sudara dot O-R-G. Dot com will get you there too. Um, but we, uh, we like the dot org and it separates us and reminds people we are doing something good as a social business. So sudara.org, really beautiful products, women's pajamas and loungewear, but we do have a small line of uh, children and men's too. So we kind of cover the whole family. We even launched some little dog scarves. So literally the whole family is covered in freedom. That's I was going to say, like. you, you better not discriminate against men. Cause I'm going to be on that site today. <laughs> no, you have to go on there. Product. You need, you need some cozy lounge pants, uh, globe trotting all over the world. They're I really do. Pictures. It's seven thirty here. It's almost my bedtime. There you go. <laughs> so it's been so great chatting with you, Kevin. And again, thank you, Real Leaders One Hundred. We are so honored to be just acknowledged amongst a group of incredible companies. It's really humbling, um, and we're just really thankful for for what you all are doing, for spreading the good word. I'm excited to hear uh, more and learn more about the other companies and also just really encourage that there are so many young entrepreneurs that are considering using their, their business sense for good and, and becoming really a social entrepreneur. It would be fantastic. My dream actually one day is that we don't have to differentiate the two. Like you said, that it'll just be business and all business would mean that people along the whole supply chain are being treated fairly and cared for. And we no longer have to separate the two that all business would be ethical and good business. I know that's a little bit Pollyanna of me, <laughs> but I really um, believe, you know, humanity can do better than what we're doing today. Well, we agree. And that's the definition of a real leader to us. So we appreciate it. I enjoyed this conversation today, Shannon. I learned a ton, every, everything from 
the production process to your impact in India and how you're being a force for good and what you see in your vision. So thank you for coming on the show today. Folks, anything worth doing is hard work. You heard it here first and you can see more next at real-leaders.com. Go online and see the other 99 uh, Real Leaders 100 winners um, today uh, and go on there. It's www.real-leaders.com slash RL-100. Go on there and see the list today. All right, folks. So that's going to wrap it up for us. Find your magazines online at Whole Foods, Hudson News, Barnes and Noble and online at www.real-leaders.com slash subscribe. Shannon, thank you for coming on the show today for episode 26. And I look forward to doing business with you in the future. Thank you, Kevin. It's been really fun. Thanks for having me. All right, folks. Episode 26. Episode 27 coming next. We're trying to get all the Release 100 winners on here. So stay tuned. That's right, folks. Stay tuned for episode 27 of the Religious Podcast with Will Chen, the founder and CEO of Play. For now, I just want to thank everyone over at Sudara who is making the world a better place. Appreciate Shannon's time here on the Religious Podcast. If you're interested in more stories, more leaders like Shannon, you can go online to real-leaders.com slash subscribe and pick up your Real Leaders magazine today. There's a new promo code going on, folks. I don't want you to miss it. It's FREE100. You can go on there, type online code FREE100 to receive your first magazine for free and get the rest of the year not for free. I guess. I don't know how they structured that, but that's what we're going with today. Great deal. $18 off. You're not going to get it after June. I can guarantee you that. We will take it down. Go online. Get it now. All right, folks. For Shannon Keith, I'm Kevin Edwards telling you all to go out there and always keep it real. <laughs>